0: Truth Jihad Radio is 100% crowdfunded and therefore fearless and independent. Please help us stay that way. You can subscribe at my Substack, that's kevinbarrett.substack.com. Or you could send a one time PayPal donation to Truth Jihad at gmail.com. Welcome back. This is the second hour of Truth Jihad Radio special live broadcast. I'm Kevin Barrett of KevinBarrett.Substack.com, bringing you conversations of the kind that you'll never hear in the corporate-controlled mainstream, or even most of the allegedly alternative media just got done with a great breakdown of the concept of anti-Semitism with Ron Unz. And now we're going to move on to more considerations of, well, uh, mindless hatred, right? Uh, Jew hatred, which is what most people think anti-Semitism is, actually is pretty much it's Jew hatred. That is to stop it. We need to get the Jews to stop hating. And the mindless hatred of Palestinians that's led to the slaughter of probably over 15, well, probably actually over 20,000 Palestinian civilians by now, which is still going on, is one good example of Jew hatred. The war in Ukraine, uh, which is also a terrible slaughter, hundreds of thousands are dead, may be partially related to Jew hatred, meaning the, the hatred on the part of Jewish elites, of, uh, of Slavs and Christians, that is Ukrainians and especially Russians. And uh, we also have the hatred of globalist elites regardless of their ethnic or religious persuasion of ordinary people. It does seem that many of these elites want to ruthlessly control the rest of us, and they're building all kinds of terrible technologies to do so. And that's what Peter Koenig has been writing about at Global Research recently. Peter Koenig is a former World Bank economist and he has tackled a whole lot of interesting subjects in his writing. And most recently, he's been talking about uh, 5G turning into 6G, the uh, building of a digital gulag, uh, the uh, UNCTAD, UNCTAD attempts to accomplish the 6G digital gulag, uh, central bank digital currency or CBDC, money being weaponized so that people putting out the money can decide what you're allowed to spend it on. And once that happens, it's going to be harder to donate to Truth Jihad Radio, that's for sure. Uh, And similar topics relating to this push towards global Orwellianism. So uh, let's talk about it. It's been a while since I've had Peter on the show. Welcome back, Peter Koenig. How are you?
1: Fine. Thanks. Uh, Thanks, Kevin, for having me again back on your program. It's a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So you're back in Lima, Peru now, I guess. You you kind of go back and forth between, was it Switzerland and Peru?
1: Uh, Yes. Uh, Yeah, it's actually uh, my wife is Peruvian and uh, we spent some time in Peru. That was an agreement we made when we we both left Washington. You know, we we left uh, Washington about by now about 11 years ago. I lived in Washington for probably close to 40 years or 40 years. And then when we decided to go back, repatriate to, uh, to to Switzerland, we decided we wouldn't just go to Switzerland, but we would also cover uh, Peru, her home country, and that's what we are doing actually. Going not exactly back and forth. We are spending several months here in Peru and then uh, several months in in, in 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 Switzerland or in Europe, let's say.
0: Well, that sounds like a good idea. That's that's somewhat different from what my wife and I have done. She's Moroccan. I'm U.S. American and from the Midwest. And so we actually spent most of our early part of our marriage in the United States, uh, San Francisco, but mostly uh, Wisconsin. And now we're back in Morocco. And so I, I think I owe her 30 years. That's what she had to spend in the United States. So uh <laughs> Inshallah, maybe I'll last another 30 years here in Morocco, although I don't know the way things are going. Um, I'm kind of surprised that the Mossad hasn't been sending drones outside my window. Uh, it, the world is, is getting completely uh, crazy. And now that the, the ceasefire has blown up over in occupied Palestine and the Zionists are back to committing genocide, uh, things aren't looking so good, especially uh, with when you add in all these Orwellian tendencies that you've been writing about. Uh, yes, I mean this.
1: This is exactly what I was also thinking when I read that the uh, the, the uh, ceasefire has uh, has ceased to to exist, and the, the 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 Zionists, I call them Zionists rather than the Jews, uh, have started bombarding again and destroying and killing. And uh, I agree with you. I think uh, the the uh, the death toll of mostly ninety percent probably of the death toll. Is civilians and that must be exceeding twenty thousand by now, and, uh, and probably uh, much much more than half of those are are, are children and, and women. They have a special flair to target children. I don't know why. Uh, and then I think about it and uh, come to what comes to mind is that they they think uh, if they kill children they kill future generations and that's what they want they want to really eradicate palestinians and uh, i mean there there's, there's a whole agenda that has not just been born with this war on the 7th of october that has been under preparation uh, since uh, almost i would say the creation of israel in in 48 uh, it it is amazing that nobody really picks up on that uh, but uh, it's it's going on, and uh, I am convinced. I'm personally convinced that they will not succeed. They will not succeed. I think evil cannot succeed on the, in, in, in the long term. I don't. I'm absolutely convinced that justice will prevail. How long it will take, I don't know. And I well, just they say don't. that
0: no Jewish kingdom has lasted longer than 80 years, and Israel may be uh, reaching its expiration date pretty soon.
1: I I haven't heard that, but uh, that would be a great thing. Uh, thanks for telling me. That gives me even more, gives me more hope, Kevin. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a good idea. It's, yeah, uh, you,
0: if you Google that, you'll come up. With, uh, I'm forgetting which was it. One of the uh, Israeli leaders famously discussed that, but of course, that being an example of what Gilad Atzman calls pre-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, he, he, you know, there's P- PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, where some terrible memory uh, psychologically cripples you. But with the Jewish and Zionist community, Gilad says that there's pre- pre-traumatic pre stress disorder. That is that they're always worried that they're going to be pushed into the sea or that, you know, Hitler will come back and put them in gas chambers or the czar will come back and, uh, and send out the pogroms, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, well, that that could be, but I don't think right now that is uh, that is the reason for for their killing Palestinians. What what I do think is uh, that they have uh, that the agenda is actually not made necessarily by Netanyahu. Netanyahu was a very very useful tool for for the for the Western world to. Uh, to bring up israel as uh, the uh, you know there's a symbiotic relationship has been always between the united states and israel uh, or or the Zionists and uh, now that has expanded throughout europe too to the western world you can say to the global north if if you want to and 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 the idea is to uh, maybe three ideas if i may is to expand uh, Israel to Greater Israel, which was already in the on, on the drawing boards in, in, the, in the early 70s. That is one idea, and the Greater Israel, I'm, I'm sure you have seen maps uh, drawn up of, of what that would imply. It would uh, stretch all the way uh, east to cut half through half of, uh, of Saudi Arabia, include parts of Syria. Of all of Jordan, of course, and uh, and, and even parts of Iraq and, and part of
0: Egypt too, because it, it's uh, it's from the it. Nile to the Euphrates. Yeah, you know, they, yeah. they tell us that from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is a genocidal anti-semitic slogan. so if you say it, you will be banned from Twitter. But in fact, the Zionists are worse because they want from the river to the river, from the Nile to the Euphrates, which means you know obliterating you know the whole large heart of the Arab Muslim world. Exactly. And that will mean, I mean, uh, depending on
1: on how you look at this uh, artificial or fictitious by our map, and I hope it will stay fictitious and just just a a, a nightmare dream. Uh, If you look at it, it could be between 30 and 50 percent of what we call today the Middle East. And if that would happen, You know, if that would happen and that's the idea behind it, then Israel would be in control of almost all, I guess, about 30 percent of of the world's uh, hydrocarbon resources. That's an estimate. It's probably on the lower side uh, and would be only uh, third to Venezuela and Russia in terms of... uh, uh, uh owning or controlling uh, the world's natural resources and in order of course for the west to continue sanctioning and shedding and separating uh, russia from the rest of the world uh, they need other sources of uh, of energy and that will be one one great source of 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 energy this this enormous uh, uh, capital these 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 reserves in the middle east and then there's a, a third. But, point. But wait,
0: wait, Peter. Couldn't I stop you for a second? Is, isn't isn't the energy market fungible, or it, it doesn't? Can't people just buy energy from somewhere else? Like they, the West was unable to sanction Russia because if you know you sanction Russian oil, uh, it just takes a different route to get to, to Europe. It goes through India and then it ends up in Europe anyway. So does the West really need uh, Middle Eastern oil? And, and what, the West can easily just buy the oil from from those Middle Eastern countries as it stands. What would be the advantage in having Israel lay waste to the region? Okay, well you're right. Uh, I mean
1: that's what I, that was my next point. What they are doing that's the hypocrisy. I've looked at the statistics, and you can find actually these statistics even on internet. Uh, they have not been uh, thrown away since uh, 2014 2014 is uh, when uh, maidan happened Uh, and that was the highest uh, year of uh, imports still from europe by europe uh, from the from from russia of everything but including mostly uh, energy hydrocarbon energy gas okay now you look at at the statistics and guess what 2022 2023 is not yet on it but 2022 is the second largest just next to 2014 imports from russia despite all the sanctions they're imported the total imports is, is i forgot the exact number but it's in the billions of dollars equivalent and uh, most of it more than 50 percent of it is uh is is gas and as you said gas that doesn't isn't shipped directly anymore to Europe, but it's shipped uh, via via India and via Turkey, and probably other ways too. Probably also directly through Ukraine, uh, uh, but uh, mostly from uh, for, through India, and this is this is an enormous factor. But of course, if they have to do that uh, c- continuously, and they will be also exposed to. Um, uh, Price variations and and pressures and so on. So why not own the damn thing through Israel, and and that it's much easier because there's this symbiotic relationship between Israel depends on the West for for their survival uh, economically because they get uh, uh, you know the official figure is three billion dollars a year. The, the inofficial figure is, I've heard, between 10 and 12, depending on how, how much you, you count on the weaponry that they receive every, every year from the United States. So they depend. That's one of the dependents. The other dependents is, of course, the, the support for, for continuing their drive to, to expand. And, and, and the, the counter value is they have to deliver the hydrocarbons to, to, to the West. So this, this relationship is much, much healthier for, for the West than having to, to buy and sneaking to buy uh, uh, Russian gas uh, as, uh, as they are doing now. Then well,
0: the other- Peter, let, let, me, let me push back against that a little bit because uh, James Petras in his books like uh, The Power of Israel in the United States, among others, has pointed out that the oil lobby uh, lobbied against the Iraq war of 2003, and that oil interests in the West and in the U.S. have no interest whatsoever in uh, pushing U.S. military power into the Middle East in provocative ways and in starting wars there, and certainly not in supporting Israel. The whole oil lobby has always basically wished Israel would just go away. Uh, So, you know, given the reality of the situation, which is that the, the, you know, basically uh, the, the, what you just described, that is this notion that the Middle East is sort of hostile to the West and therefore it helps to have the friendly Israel as a sort of land grounded aircraft carrier there ignores the fact that the only reason that the Middle East is the slightest bit hostile towards the West is the existence of Israel. Take that away and there's no problem in terms of buying those resources and making deals, which is why every single advisor in the military, the State Department and elsewhere, begged Truman not to allow the State of Israel, much less facilitate it. And Truman went ahead and did facilitate the creation of the State of Israel for one reason only, which is that a Jewish gangster had given him $2 million in cash in a suitcase. And that's the reason, basically, fast forward from 1948, and the only reason that the United States has continued to support Israel, despite pushback from the oil lobby and from everybody else who cares about U.S. national slash imperial interests, is that Jewish gangsters have been pouring cash at people who support Israel, bribing them, and assassinating people who stand in the, in the path of Israel, like John F. Kennedy and his brother, Robert, and so many others. Uh, so I, I think that this notion that Israel's existence benefits the West is exactly wrong. It creates a huge problem for the West in terms of its access to oil in the region, because the region hates the West for one reason and one reason only, and that is the Zionist genocide of Palestine. And the, the name Israel is just a euphemism for the Zionist genocide of Palestine.
1: Well, okay. Well, that's uh, that's one one view, but uh, I'm not sure that I entirely agree with that because what <coughs> what the United States also has <coughs> has done, has started doing already in the early 80s with the creation of Al Qaeda, uh, they have uh, made uh, the uh, Muslim world evil, you know, and so the Muslim world has. Always- the Zionists did that, Peter. Well, whatever the Zionists, but the, the, the Zionists within the United States. But the figure the, 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 no, the, Net- Netanyahu,
0: Netanyahu summoned Bush and Henry Jacks and all those guys to, to Jerusalem in 1979 and said, from now on, the next enemy is going to be terrorism, which means Islam. And so your enemies, as the enemies of the West, are going to be our enemies, which means the Arabs and the Muslims.
1: OK, but these Zionists, they came out as the United States. They are not necessarily uh, walking around uh, with with the with the Israeli flag or with with the Zionist flag uh, on, on their back. No, they 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 appear as the United States. I, I agree with you. They are probably behind that. Are, is a Zionist movement, but they don't they they don't come across like that. They come across as the U.S. and so the U.S. representing the West has become uh, you know an, an enemy for. The the, the, uh, the uh, has made out of the Middle East, out of the Muslim world uh, uh, enemies, and one of the one of the reasons that uh, that uh, that drives this even further. What I ch- just thought uh, is is probably one of the reasons for greater Israel is that not too long ago, as you know, uh, Saudi Arabia is uh, is cutting gradually its ties with the West especially with the U.S. and this is leaning towards China. They have made huge contracts with China supplying uh, petrol and gas to, to China rather than, uh, rather than to Europe or the United States and this is uh, this trend is going to probably continue with uh, with other arab countries uh, oil countries and therefore you have to dominate them and who can best dominate them is israel with the push and the support of the west of other Zionists in other countries obviously so this this is something i think i'm not saying this is absolutely true but I think this is something that has to be uh, at least uh, looked at and, and considered as a as a possibility plus and this is the, this is the, another point an important point is that uh, the dis- the discovery of uh, huge amounts a, a, a trillion cubic meters a, cu- a cubic feet of uh, of gas offshore from gaza is an understatement you know that's the the first uh, that's the first figure that came out from british gas uh, in 1999 i believe uh, they said but when i worked in gaza and i worked i don't know whether you're aware of this i worked for about four years in gaza in in palestine with the with the world bank on water projects and that was in the in the mid to late 90s and and, uh, and already during that time, it, is, it was very well known to the Palestinians that there is a lot of gas offshore. Uh, and uh, the quantities are probably much, much higher than the trillion, the trillion cubic uh, feet. But they are not talking about it. It would be strategically unwise to advance uh, even bigger figures at this point. And, uh, of course, uh, as soon as uh, Gaza doesn't exist anymore as Palestine, but as uh, appropriated and uh, uh, confiscated by by Israel, uh, the, the the gas deposits offshore from from Gaza will be appropriated and confiscated also by Israel. So you add that gas to the gas of, and the hydrocarbons that exist already in the Middle East, and uh, and Israel is in charge of all of it. All you have to find is ways of transporting it, and this comes in the third point. Uh, which I'm uh, which, which which I'm aiming at, and that's the Bengurian Canal. You have heard about that, which would start in the in, has been planning. up. Uh, I think the first plans were drawn up in '71, or not, I'm not sure exactly about the year, but I think in the early '70s uh, of this uh, Ben-Gurion Canal, which would start from the from the Mediterranean Sea. Just either through Gaza or just outside of the Gaza frontier, all the way through through Israel to to the Red Sea, it would be about three times uh, as long as the current Suez Canal would replace largely the Suez Canal, which uh, Suez Canal which has been uh, uh, nationalized by Egypt. You know, even though the Egypt has lots of uh, friendly contracts with the West for shipping through the Suez Canal egypt is a is a Muslim country and certainly uh, for the west uh, can shift anytime they want so it's much much safer to have another canal alternative canal plus much more money for Israel uh, with an alternative canal going through Israel and uh, directly uh, into into the uh, into the South china Sea if you want to uh, um, the Indian Indian Bay and uh, and can supply basically the uh, the Asian the Asian market, Uh, not just with with hydrocarbons but with all kinds of Western goods, and thereby uh, not depending anymore on the Suez Canal. So this is this is the third point, which I think uh, is is part of the of the reasons for for this atrocious, murderous, genocidal war that uh, that uh, Israel is, is is driving. And I think, I really think this, this is, you know, I hope your 80 years are correct and uh, justice will be done. It must be done because this is absolutely horrendous. And I think of it and I have probably emotionally uh, closer ties than, than than many others because I've worked for four years in in Palestine and and, uh, and a lot of it in, in Gaza and have made friends of lots of Palestinians they are the most... Warm people, a friendly people. You know, it is unbelievable that uh, they have been friends for many years after I worked there, and unfortunately, I've lost uh, a bit contract with them in the in the meantime in the last twenty years. But uh, that that is that is my rough assessment right now. Maybe maybe I'm far off. I don't know. But
0: well, yeah. I, I have a couple of questions about it, and one would be: Is it really necessary for if Israel wants to try to grab that gas off, off of Gaza, do they really have to eliminate the Palestinian presence in Gaza? Uh, or uh, because obviously Israel totally controls the Mediterranean. They have this very narrow coastal zone that they allow the Gazans to go out and fish. Uh, but beyond that, they're basically claiming all those waters already. And so it's not obvious why they would necessarily need to remove the people of Gaza. And then secondly, If, as you say, they were going to try to build Ben-Gurion Canal, uh, and if you're suggesting that they would need to depopulate Gaza to to build that canal, it's not obvious to me how they could possibly do that, given that Egypt knows that this Ben-Gurion Canal would be a competitor to the Suez Canal and would be a huge uh, blow to Egypt's economy if it were ever built so that's just one more reason along with the fact that egypt would be hated by you know the government would be hated by its own people and by everybody in the region if it allowed the gazan people to be pushed into egypt Uh, given that it's hard to imagine how uh, israel is going to get rid of those two million people in gaza maybe it thinks they can kill them all i don't know but it obviously cannot push them into egypt so what what do you think they're planning
1: well to, to your first question uh, your first point uh, who controls the Mediterranean yes but Israel of course because of that, that's totally illegal. I mean that's totally illegal. There are international standards on, on, on how much uh, coastal area is controlled by each country and the coastal area would be that would be controlled uh, in the case of Gaza would be Palestine of course palestine is is under occupation if if you see even earlier videos on uh, on uh, how israel is treating gaza already for the last since 2007 when gaza was sealed off gaza is totally actually occupied and how the how the people are dealt with i just recently saw abruptly a, a 6 minute uh, a video which unfortunately is is somehow for me impossible to to pass on to you if I can I will uh, it, it is amazing and this, this is this is a documentary what what is going on and this has never been reflected so you know under those circumstances it's uh, it's it's obvious that if somebody if if Gaza and Palestine will continue to exist with all these resources that belong to Palestine, a trillion and more, probably much more, that would not be so easy than to just simply continue to be controlled by Israel. That that can that I can guarantee you. So it's much better getting rid of getting rid of the. So, so you're saying,
0: yeah, if if there are Palestinians in Gaza, they could mount legal challenges to Israel exploiting the gas uh, offshore. Right. Right and and i mean
1: this is this is already done because uh uh british gas has started exploring i think in, in in 2004 maybe i'm not exactly sure about about these figures but i believe 2004 may have been in the early 2000s they have started to to explore uh, and of course uh with, if they have a contract with uh this becomes international knowledge if they have a contract with israel to do that and uh, and and this this blows this blows out. I mean, there's so much support today. There's so much support today for for Palestine that this could not go unnoticed. This could not go through. Just uh, just as as everything went through so far, it would but If there's not. that
0: much support for Palestine, how can they plan to commit genocide of uh, millions of people?
1: Well, yes. I mean, that, that's that's the big question. That's the big question. How long is that possible? And I'm very happy that you advanced the 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 80 years. Uh, so I, I think this this also will will come to will come to an end. This it, it, is absolutely unheard of. And I think that's 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 where Israel or the, the, the Zionists have committed or are committing suicide. By doing what they are doing right now, because they are losing all support they had in the world, uh, and, and you can see that. And 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 the support they have from the governments, from the Western governments, has nothing to do with the people in the Western governments. You can see that in the demonstrations. There are millions and millions of people pro Palestine demonstrating in in Berlin, in Madrid, in Paris, in London, uh, every in every biggest bigger city, even in Switzerland. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is unbelievable. So those are the people. And uh, how long do the politicians survive that with the pressure of the people? So far they have, but everything has a limit. And that's what I'm counting on, that limit, that limit of, of, of ultimate justice. And it will come, I'm sure of it.
0: Okay. Well, Peter, another uh, interpretation that we have disagreed on in the recent past is the possibility of a false flag uh, being part of the October 7th situation. That is, uh, Hamas and other Palestinian resistance groups mounted a very successful raid on Israel whose purposes were to uh, prevent or, or to deter further outrages against the Alaska Mosque. Uh, to get hostages, primarily military hostages, but civilians, uh, if necessary, to exchange for the 10,000 Palestinians who've been kidnapped and held hostage by Israel, including lots of children and women who are subjected to systematic torture and rape and other kinds of abuse. And uh, uh, so those were the objectives of this Alexa storm operation. And there are those who think that Netanyahu needed a huge war for his political survival and that there are elements in Israel that would like to see a major regional war so they could finish the uh, genocide of Palestine in a way that you suggested that they would like to. Uh, And so there are those who suggested that elements in Israel may have facilitated the surprising success of the Alexa storm operation. And I've argued that that's, it's unlikely that they could have even wanted it to turn out the way it did, because they, they obviously didn't want hostages. They, the, the Zionists killed hundreds of their own hostages to prevent them from being taken hostage. If, they had, if the Zionists hadn't massacred hundreds of Israeli civilians on October 7th, Hamas would have had probably at least six or 700 hostages instead of just uh, 250 Uh, So the Zionists didn't want any hostages. They never do. They have that uh, Hannibal doctrine that they will kill hostages and hostage takers rather than allow their people to be taken hostage. So the outcome of October 7th, to me, clearly is not what the Zionists wanted. And uh, they they had a good situation before. On October 6th, they had largely co-opted Saudi Arabia and the Emirates, that there was a slight chance of a Indian Middle East corridor that you were talking about because the Saudis and the Jordanians would have gone along with it on October 6th. Now, post October 7th, that's dead in the water. It'll never happen. The Saudis and the Emiratis and the Jordanians will never, ever cooperate with Israel and anything like that ever again, I guarantee it. So it seems to me that October 7th has harmed the Zionist interests. Uh, It's ensured that Netanyahu, not only will go to prison for life the second he gets out of office but he'll probably be executed (laughs) uh, or at least he he stands a chance of it uh, whether you know extra legally or not and and so to me the idea that the the, any elements in Israel would have wanted uh, October 7th to play out the way it has it strikes me as uh, highly unlikely Um, but I know you to some extent and others have argued the contrary and I'm wondering you know how, what kind of scenario uh you think that would have followed and and what your take is on that right now
1: okay uh yes i know this is a point where we may have uh, disagreed uh i think uh, the uh, the uh the the uh, october 7 attack may have turned out uh, slightly differently than israel would have liked it to turn out but that Israel planned it there's no doubt about it, and that that uh, that Israel was helping along with the United States, maybe the United States was the initiator initiator of that to create Hamas in uh, in eighty eighty seven is uh, is is no secret anymore. they have been created Hamas has been created by Israel because they needed them. Uh, politically, and they needed them militarily in order to justify their actions—sort of a permanent false flag action. Now, uh, I don't know whether you have heard recently. There was a not too long ago, a few days ago, there was a, a video clip from Ron. You know, Paul. Let, me,
0: let me stop you for a second, Peter. So, it's, so, if Hamas is is created by and only serves the purpose of Israel. Do you really think the Palestinians are so are that stupid that, you know, three quarters of them vote for it? And do you think the entire Middle East is so stupid and all of the world's two billion Muslims are so stupid? Because we all strongly support Hamas and recognize that Hamas today is not the tiny little group that was created by Israel as a counterweight to the Palestinian Authority back in the late 80s. To the the Arafat
1: movement, Fatah, you mean? Well, yeah, at that time it
0: was uh, it was Fatah, yeah. But but I mean, what? If, do you you, you no, think no, that the Israelis I mean, are so smart and that all Arabs and Muslims, including me, are so stupid uh, to fall for yeah. this and support Hamas? This
1: this is this has not been known uh, until recently to to many Arabs, uh, not even to me. Uh, I've uh, learned uh, a few months ago that this is a. Uh, that 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 this is actually the the, the case. So uh, this has not been known by by many, but now of course it, the Hamas has been very much divided within, uh, and and that that means there's a political branch of Hamas and there's a military branch of, Ham, of Hamas, and it's the military branch that has uh, carried out the attack. Uh, there there uh, Israeli uh, high officer testimonies that. There's if that the, the the Gaza frontier is guarded 24/7 as with with uh, with cameras electronically. Some say not even a, a rat would be able to escape from from Gaza so closely. it is guarded and that that uh, Netanyahu has has actually ordered the guards to relax their their observations and their surveillance for four hours from 6 to 10 in the morning. I'm not exactly sure about the hours, but these are the times that were most often mentioned from 6 to 10 in the morning of October 7th so that the Hamas attack could actually take care, that take place. Otherwise, it would not have been possible. And once that has started, it gave actually Israel Netanyahu the, the, the green light to, to do what he is doing now. And, uh, and, 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 and uh, you know, it may not have turned out the way exactly he wanted it, because uh, Hamas is indeed stronger. They have more support than than he su- suspected, and uh, they give more resistance. But uh, but the goal is of Israel to to smash them all and push those who they not kill out into Israel. Uh,
0: out out. Uh,
1: sorry, out into the Egyptian Sinai. Uh,
0: Peninsula. And yeah, actually, but Egypt will obviously never allow that. So how could the Israelis be stupid enough no, to think that they would?
1: They had already had, Egypt has already agreement with Israel. They have already built the tent city outside of Rafa. Have you seen that? I mean, their helicopter views and uh, uh, about the, that tent city exists already. Just Is waiting. a tent
0: city for two million people.
1: I don't know for how many people, maybe not for too many, uh, two million people. Uh, I I have no idea for how many, but but the intensity exists and probably could be expanded.
0: Well, uh, Sisi Sisi was very clear uh, when Biden sort of floated that idea early on in in mid-October that it would never, ever happen. It's a political absolute non-starter and that no Egyptian leader could do it. Uh, So I'm very skeptical about any substantial numbers of Gazans ever being allowed into Egypt under that scenario. I'm pretty sure the Israeli leaders would be skeptical too.
1: Well, I mean, they, they have a, they have diplomatic relations with between Israel and and Egypt. They have relate they have uh, contracts and agreements on many other uh, issues, in, including on, on that one. So this is for me, this is a clear matter. I don't know for how many uh, uh, Gazans they have uh, housing. Uh, probably, certainly not not for two million. Uh, and uh, therefore, Israel has to kill some more. It is just unbelievable. But uh, yes, I think this this is a this is an agreement. This is the idea eventually to open the border and to get the rest of them out into Sinai. Whatever the, whatever housing they will gather or or get or build themselves, or uh, uh, Egypt has agreed th- agreed to that. Egypt has already basically agreed to that. No matter what.
0: What's your what's your evidence for that? Because all of the publicly reported statements from the Egyptian government are the exact opposite. And so, you know, the the uh, the, uh, Arab Islamic uh, conferences are the exact opposite. There's been absolute solidarity on the point that neither Jordan nor Egypt will allow any mass resettling of Gazans on their territory.
1: Okay, well that's the official version. But uh, if you if you know, I mean, Egypt the uh, Egypt is, is is a Muslim country, so they would support uh, rather Palestine than than Israel. And in order to support the Palestinians, they have to give them housing. Other, otherwise they will be totally killed either by famine or by diseases or by like bombs or whatever else weapons. Well, wait
0: wait a minute do, do you, really, you really think that if if it came to a point of most or you know a large portion of the people in Palestine and or Gaza being killed long before that point was reached you don 't think that Iran would go ahead and fire everything it has and flatten Israel completely and sacrifice its major cities to do that because i 'm pretty sure it would i mean hezbollah will will unleash everything it has that i mean that that's the 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 whole issue of the problem of escalation into a regional war w- that the Americans are dealing with uh, involves the fact that it's, it's very well known that, that there are at some point there's a red line. It's not clear what the red line was. Some people thought that the red line would have already been crossed by now, but there's a certain red line where uh, basically the axis of resistance, which does have escalation equality with Israel, that is, they can completely flatten Israel. They can make Israel uninhabitable and they would sacrifice a lot of their cities to do it. But if it came to that, they're you know, that's their card in in their pocket, just like Israel has its Samson option card in its pocket. So uh, the the notion that Israel can get rid of all of the Palestinians or even completely defeat Hamas, it's been it's been made very clear by Said Hassan Nasrallah and other axes of resistance leaders that that long before that happens, the red line will have been crossed and the regional all out regional war is on. And I suspect that the predominant element of Western leadership would prefer that not to happen, including the sane, the relatively sane leadership in Israel.
1: I agree with you that, that that's why it probably hasn't happened so far. But, yes, I, I also think there is a red line. And if this red line that may have been pushed off a little bit, it, it, it could easily happen that Iran gets involved. But also, you know, Iran is, is very well aware of the I don't know how many, but there are uh, still numerous of uh, military bases in Saudi Arabia, U.S. military bases from there, which are all pointing at Iran. And Iran knows that and Iran could be eradicated uh, from from these bases at the same time they are trying to smash uh, or they are smashing Mm -hmm. Israel. So you would actually get into into a quagmire. You get into into a world war in the Middle East. And this is
0: Russia can't allow Russia and China can't allow Iran to be completely defeated, even if that were possible. And I even question whether that's that's possible because. You know the the only
1: exactly they the, wouldn't allow it, so you would you would have you would have actually a world war concentrated on the Middle East because then China and Russia, particularly russia i think uh, would would get involved in if uh, if Iran gets attacked
0: right Who, so, so, so well what, what all this means is is that this notion of the Zionists finishing the job and getting rid of all the Palestinians is unrealistic it's a, it's a Zio, it's a radical Zionist pipe dream and it's not going to happen.
1: I hope it's not going to happen, and I'm convinced it's not going to happen. Absolutely, I agree with you. It's not going to happen because justice somehow prevails, you know, uh, and the dynamics will play out. But the idea is if those that cannot be killed will be pushed into the Sinai, is uh, is uh, maybe tacitly, um, I don't know whether there's anything written available, but tacitly agreed by Egypt already, because they'd rather see the Palestinians saved, on 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 the, on their Sinai uh, peninsula uh, rather than being
0: killed uh, by uh, by Israel. I think this this well, is. Don't you, is don't, don't you think that? The Egyptians would rather just let the axis of resistance do the heavy lifting. Lifting, and I mean, the Egyptians' best move is to is to do nothing. They're also in a huge commercial war against Israel right now, as you may know about the the gas issue. There's there's Egyptian gas, there's Israeli gas. The Israelis had been processing their gas through Egypt and letting the Egypt, Egyptians take a cut, and they they've stopped that. So there's a there's a big problem right now between, and of course, the Israelis are trying to leverage that into convincing Egypt to accept Gazans. Egypt is very clear that it won't. And I, I would like you to send me the evidence, send me links and so on, to sources where I can try to verify your claim that Egypt would even remotely entertain the idea of allowing a resettlement of Gazans on its territory.
1: Okay, I will try to find them. It's very difficult because these things, they do not surface. And if they do surface at one point, they will disappear quickly again. You know, we are we are living in a world which is really Orwellian. Yes. Uh, where uh, truth is false and false is true, and, and, and war is peace and peace is war, and anything that is uh, coming out will be disappearing tomorrow. I've uh, I've seen that uh, within hours uh, th- being the case, so it will be very difficult to 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 get to that. But uh, but you may be able to find, or I will try to to look it up. or I find some pictures of uh, 10 cities in, 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 in Sinai, which would serve no other purpose than to accommodate uh, escaping Palestinians.
0: Okay, yeah, I'll be interested in, in looking at that. I, I would be uh, somewhat um, skeptical, though, about that sort of thing, just because this is what the Israelis or some Israelis would like to see happen. And they have a vested interest in putting out false reports of that nature. So uh, with that sort of thing, uh, you always have to be somewhat skeptical. But anyway, yeah, I'd love to look at it. So how, how is this going to play out in terms of, okay, the war in Ukraine seems to be turning pretty decisively, you know, into the kind of quagmire that favors Russia. And in, in a sense, it seems that the West has already admitted that Russia is going to win and keep uh, a lot of Eastern Ukraine. So given that and given this current situation in in palestine what what is the uh the fallout of these wars in terms of the globalists plan to bring in all these orwellian technologies to kind of lock down the whole population in one big global gulag
1: well the, the ukraine war was decided even before it started uh, i mean there's absolutely never any chance and uh, i think even uh, even NATO accepts that now. Uh, there was never any chance that uh, Ukraine would win, no matter how many weapons they they would get and how many billions of dollars they would get from the West. There's no chance that they could win uh, against Russia. Anybody who th- would, would have thought differently is, in my opinion, just a fool. This is, this is absolutely a, a no-go. Besides, with all the weapons, we know also that 70% of the weapons shipped are going directly to the black market and this is known by the west this is known by the us and they go to the black market of those uh, of those probably arabs arab terrorists they want to use them later on as terrorists uh, so that they can attack another country so this is this i mean this is for, for me this has been very clear uh, this this has even been reported, I think, by CNN and BBC, that so this is no secret uh, that uh, 70% of uh, all the armament goes directly to the to the black market. Uh, and for the other 30%, there's no training. You know, the Ukraine has no people trained to use these weapons. Many of them either are are obsolete and cannot be used anymore, uh, uh, and still. Figuring the statistics that they have received them, orders are too sophisticated for for the ukrainians to to use them. so this there's never been a chance in in, in, in the world that they that they may win the war. Now, why Russia is extending it is for me a mystery. I don't know. I mean they could have closed that war a long time ago and and could do it tomorrow if they wanted to.
0: So how how would they do it? Because the military analyses I've seen suggest that due to drones in particular and the blanket surveillance of drones and then the ability of killer drones, including these cheap suicide drones to uh, to attack, that there's a huge advantage to defenders. So it's it's hard sort of to move front lines. So if you say that Russia could have easily won, what do you mean by that? What should they have done militarily?
1: Well, what what they what they wanted what they wanted is actually uh, liberate their territories in the Donbas area, give them give them autonomy, make sure they, and that's that's what that, that was the first request to Ukraine, give them autonomy because they're Russians, and we would like to not absorb them, but stay part of uh, Ukraine, but give them more autonomy so that they have a uh, free movement and uh, they have uh, uh, a more, more sovereignty within within their region. And that was not accepted. Now, they could have very easily taken over these areas if they wanted to, in my opinion. I mean, Russia has such a, a military might which is way above and m- much more modern, and of course, and much more... Cheaper it's much less connected with corruption than the, the than the u s one uh, so they could easily have uh, taken over uh, the donbas area within within weeks uh, if if not within days if they really wanted to and put the whole to the whole thing but uh, that has not happened for for some reason, and I think I know one at least one of the reasons is because uh, of the uh, bio laboratories that the that the US has set up in in Ukraine, these bio lab labs uh, war war type labs, uh, maybe thirty or more of them, all directed uh, towards uh, aggressing uh, Russia, and this was this was uh, <laughs> admitted before Congress, surprisingly. by Newland, you remember that when she said when she was asked. Uh, do you, does the U.S. have uh, biolabs in Ukraine? Everybody, of course, expected her to say, no way. She said, yes, we do. And, uh, and, and this is yeah, It was actually
0: a leading question. The, the, the questioner said, uh, you know, we don't, of course, we don't really have any biolabs in Ukraine, do we? And then she said, well, actually, we do. And we're having to get that dangerous stuff out of there.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, of course, Putin no knew, knew that for a long time. And then the, and the third element uh, that is uh, that he wanted to get rid of is the Nazism. I mean, Ukraine is full with Nazis still, uh, and uh, and 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 this is a, this is, is a threat for for Putin and for Russia. They have been and they have done so much harm to 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 Russia that uh, I understand, I fully understand this uh, has to be eradicated, and those were the conditions actually that he also made to NATO, no, not one step further, and never should uh, Ukraine become a NATO member. And by now, I think uh, it, it is very clear. Stoltenberg even says uh, he doubts that uh, recently he has said uh, he doubts very much that uh, Ukraine will ever become a NATO member. So if he says that, I mean, he is leaving, so he can say a lot of things that he thinks that he couldn't say before, but, uh, but still, I mean, he is at least very knowledgeable and he knows probably what the truth is. And if he says it, then, then I think uh, he has credibility.
0: Well, Peter, we only have a few minutes left, and we haven't really touched on your articles on uh, Orwell's 1984, 5G, 6G, and so on, and then the CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. So just in the couple of minutes that we have left, uh, is this looming Russian victory in Ukraine, even if it's slower than it might have been, and hopefully the uh, failure of the Zionist genocide of Palestine is that are these two wars, you know, turning out against the the West? Is is this going to slow down the rush towards globalist Orwellianism or not? I
1: I think it is, but I think the purpose was exactly the contrary. Since you're you're connecting dots for me, that's very good, thank you. Uh, I think there is a relationship, and the relationship is to weaken. To weaken Western, uh, weaken Western countries so that they are easier to take over by the globalists. And the globalists are not those that you see. The globalists are, 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 are sitting in the back, in the back of Washington. You know, Washington is, I call them, I would call Washington executing agency. The World Economic Forum is an, exec, a, a, an executing agency. And the World Health Organization is an executing agency for these uh, globalists that lurk in the darkness. And I would call them, I call them usually the financial, military, IT, media, pharma complex. And maybe pharma belongs further in the front because pharma is one of the strongest, it's in the U.S., it's the strongest lobbying organization ever. It's. I think it exceeds the, it exceeds uh, the uh, IPAC, uh, 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 even in even in 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 Washington so they are very very strong and they are behind all this they they call the shots i mean they control trillions trillions of, of dollars uh, among the financial complex which i put in front and i think they are at the front you have blackrock you have vanguard you have the four major uh and you have state street and in addition to that you have the four major uh, wall street uh, Uh, financial or bank banking institutions, Uh, they, together, they account for probably about controlling 30 to 40 trillion dollars. You know, with 40 to 30 trillion dollars and they control, they have, they are involved in literally all sectors of the world, transportation, health, uh, uh, food, uh, anything you can think of, energy. Uh, they are involved in, 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 and of course in in the, in the banking also. Uh, so they they really literally control everything. They can leverage a country with 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 10 percent. They can leverage basically every country with that with that amount of money that they have plus the sectors they control, and they are behind it, and that's uh, that's why I think the, the connection yes can be done, and uh, the globalists uh, eventually think that that these two wars, they will enormously weaken the West, and uh, therefore, for the time being, not so much interested in the global
0: South. Interested. So, so, so the uh, most powerful uh, globalist financiers actually think that the way to their Orwellian world government is through weakening the West. So those of us who are cheering for the West being weakened might actually be wrong.
1: Right. We, we might be cheering for the West being weakened for a wrong reason.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Of course, uh, they plot and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. So uh, maybe the West being weakened will blow up in the face of these people who are plotting their global Orwellian dictatorship. Well, uh, Peter, it looks like we're just about at the end of the show. But before we go, can you tell me what the acronym UNCTAD means? Uh, UNCTAD. Okay, well. Or at least what what it does, even if you don't have the words at hand.
1: It it has to do with trade. United Nations uh, Committee on Trade. Yeah, something with
0: trade. And domination.
1: It's the trade organization of the United uh, Nations.
0: Gotcha, okay. And, And so they're one of these many sort of globalist spin offs working to unify the world using control technology that could set up an Orwellian dictatorship. And for people, uh, if you want to get the details on it, you're going to have to read Peter's articles, which are linked at the Truth Jihad radio page. Just go to truthjihad.com and click on the radio schedule link. Find your way to this show, and you'll find those links. Well, thank you so much, Peter Koenig. It's been fun to catch up with you. I hope you're having a great time in Lima, Peru. I hope to visit you there someday. Inshallah.
1: Inshallah. You're more than welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay,
0: take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. That's Peter Kodink. You're listening to Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett of kevinbarrett.substack.com. Back next week for the live show and tomorrow for False Plague Weekly News. See you then.